What's going on, guys? It is Maxwell, host of Maxwell's Magic Hour. Uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Um, we are joined by Curtis Goodwin. Uh, Cur- Curtis, thank you so, so much for taking the time to uh, to join us today. I know you must be a very busy man, especially being a, uh, a city councilman, I'm guessing. Yes, yes, yes. We actually have a city council meeting in a few hours, so yeah. <laughs> I, I, Spin it in. <laughs> I it's uh, you're probably having a pretty good day. You know, you're recording a podcast. You have a you know a, a meeting and the whole thing. Uh, you are much more important than me. I can say that right off the bat. Uh, I do not have a city council uh, meeting to go to. I might have a meeting with my dog Juno, but she's not interested. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, the big thing that we are talking about today is, uh, first off, I want to say uh, rest in peace to George Floyd, who tragically passed away on uh, on May 25th. And this year has already been um, uh, May. Sorry, May 25th. I, I don't uh, I, I apologize. OK, no, so right. May you're 25th, uh, George Floyd unfortunately passed away for those unfamiliar with the story george floyd was uh seen on camera with a police officer uh who had his knee right in george floyd's neck saying continuously i cannot breathe um this story is massive national news it's everywhere you see it on facebook twitter instagram every major news outlets it is I can't say enough how much of a tragic story it is. I've even had some of my students reach out to me and say, I've been so emotionally affected by this. You know, can we negotiate just, you know, can I have some time to breathe? And I always say absolutely, because I can't imagine what some of my students are are going through and how they're being emotionally affected by this. It's a very terrible and tragic story. And we have Curtis on the podcast today because we wanted to, uh, excuse me, we wanted to get Curtis's uh, thoughts on the uh, on the issues and here at Maxwell's Magic Hour a lot of the times we were doing episodes that are very silly very ridiculous I'm pretty sure a couple weeks ago we were just talking about how we were going insane in quarantine the different activities that we were doing but we feel it's incredibly important to talk about this this is not something that we can just ignore let it go by the wayside this is something that needs to be talked about we are broadcasters at the heart of our very career at the heart of our passion we are here to give a platform uh, for people like Curtis to speak, to share their thoughts, their perspectives. It's our passion. It's why we do what we do. So that's why we are. Uh, that's why we are here today. So again, thank you, Curtis, so much for giving us your time. And uh, Alyssa, would you like to? Uh, would you like to start us off? Yeah, um, definitely. So thanks, Maxwell. Uh, basically, I went and emailed, or I should say, I just texted you guys because we keep it casual. <laughs> and I was like, what? Do, what are we doing? that we can do, that we can help what's happening in the world right now. I feel so helpless and I know so many people do, but I think what you, everyone needs to do is tap into what they do and what they do very special. And then they need to make sure that they help that way. And I think what we do special is talking to microphones. And I think we're really great at getting certain points across as well. And so I feel like why not, especially with what's happening right now, we, it needs to be discussed. I don't feel like I'm the right person to talk about it. Uh, but I can tell you I'm on social media every day. And there are certain people who have always been about what is happening currently in the world. And Curtis Goodwin is actually a person who I've always seen, who's always speaking his mind. He always has had something to say. There's never, Curtis, is there anything that you don't have an opinion on? I love it. I love that you are always so solid with, with 
you know, your convictions with what you're so passionate about. And so I figured, why not? You're a new London city councilor. I have your whole sheet right here. Let me know if I forget anything. Executive director for youth development for OutCT. Um, you're also an account executive chair for media advertising in the company that you're with. Um, and you specialize in economic development in New London with like the city council and everything like that. Uh, what else, Curtis? What did I miss out on? Because you, you have your hands in so many different pots. Um, I'm an entrepreneur with my own media company. Um, I do chair economic development for the city council. I'm the youngest black city councilor ever in the city of New London. Um, for OutCT, that is for LGBTQ youth. When I was 22, I founded that and it's still going today and I'm 33 now, almost forget my age. Um, and literally I'm just an entrepreneur to be honest. Um, I live by my own convictions. Whatever moves me, I am strongly opinionated by it, but I'm also very tactful in using my influence uh, for the better. Most definitely. Yeah, so I wanted today to just talk about what ways, like, so let's just kick this off. What ways do you think that anyone, any color, any race, any sort of poor or rich, whatever it is, what can people do? Look, I have a whole sheet. I'm about to take notes. What can we do, Curtis? Got what it. can people so, do? So so the biggest thing is people that are not of color, the first thing is they have to listen and, and not listen to respond, not listen to just jump in and help, not listen to take charge of the fight. Listen to do just that. Listen. Sometimes the best thing you can do to be an ally is just to listen and, and to stand and be a part of it. Um, there's a number of different things people can do. It all depends on your profession, what, what you're able to do, what you're comfortable with doing. So for instance, you guys today inviting me on this platform, that is you guys reaching out to magnify my voice, magnify that systemic racism, racism is not okay. That is huge. I mean, you guys have voices, you guys have a platform and you're using that to your benefit. So we have to start thinking is, what is it we do today? And, and when giving the opportunity or the opportunity presents itself, are we stopping wrongdoing? Are we stopping systemic racism? I'm not saying that white people or people not of color or anyone needs to go out there and stand with signs saying, black lives matter. That, that's not what I'm saying. That's, that's helpful if you wanna do that, but it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Sometimes it's as simple as being at work and, and learning that something was unfair and speaking up and saying that is not okay. Being in a hiring predicament and, and you see a different name, so you immediately judge that, that person's not qualified. Or you, you use the, the hiring parameters that specify you need a specific degree when your degree has nothing to do with the experience necessary to complete a job. Sometimes giving that chance is all the difference. Um, there's, there's so many examples of what people can do to be involved and to, to help this fight. But the first thing is just to listen, to observe, and then once you're able to find a level of compassion is to then say, hey, reach out and say, hey, I'm ready to help. What is it you need me to do? You guys are being a little bit more proactive by reaching out to me and say, come on my platform so I can magnify your voice and, and we can shed light that this is not okay. And sometimes that's just enough. But the biggest thing I'm just reiterating is listening. I'm on social media constantly and I'm noticing people are truly not listening. They have lots to say and it's just like, that doesn't make sense that doesn't add up there was a local business today and I, I chair economic development so my job is to promote business it's to make sure businesses are successful the the community is invested in the business and the business is thus invested in the community all those checks and balance to make a very healthy community and business 
Today, a local business person decided that it was okay and funny and humorous to say, I need some tacos and I noticed that I-95 is shut down. I don't mind plowing through those protesters. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry because I can't fathom ever saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have felt the same way. And I was outraged and I had to think. So on, on one shoulder, there's economic development city councilor who's just like, this is not okay, but maybe you shouldn't say that because it's not going to promote her business. And then on the other hand, as a black human who's constantly dealing with racism and has to fight for the platform I have, I literally built everything I have from the ground up by myself. No degree, no anything. I go to college. I I have a degree, but it's not necessary for what I've done. So I'm like, you know what? Forget that. We're going to say that that's not okay. That humor is not okay. Mm -hmm. Immediately after she posted that, there was someone who decided to comment and said, I'll do the same thing. Your voice matters. You're on a global platform and you're in my community and you want me to go spend my heart on black dollar and encourage others to do so. But yet you find it humorous that you will plow through a crowd of protesters because you didn't listen and you don't understand. So immediately she goes, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. does not cut it. I'm sorry. doesn't undo 400 years of injustice. That's systematic. I'm sorry is the reason why I'm a city councilor. I never chose to be. It's just where I decided to move because that's where you can make real change. So it, it, things like that, it's just that, that, that in itself, you start to see that, you know, wow, that's racism in itself. You, you didn't unpack what you said and you just posted it to a world where people are evil. Maybe she didn't have ill intent, but guess what her followers did. Now, the moment somebody is ran over or killed, that sorry, what does the weight does that sorry do? That's unforgivable. So I said, don't support it. You are now canceled because at the end of the day, that's just not okay. And if I were to do that, immediately I'd be canceled. Immediately police would be reaching out saying, I incited this behavior in in people. And it's just not okay. And we have to use our voices to stand up to people when they're wrong. So when you ask, what is it we can do? Stand up to people when they're wrong. Say it's not okay. It is never okay to be silent. I don't care what color you are. Your silence doesn't help our movement. It's hard for someone who's not black to understand. And by black, I do mean Hispanic. I do mean uh, a Dominican. I do mean Haitian. I mean all these other ethnicities that are black. Um, don't want to get into you know African-American culture. But as allies, I just beg you and I ask you to never be silent when you have a chance to undo the systematic racism. I deeply believe that the children, I know it sounds cliche, are our future, but they're taught racism. So if, if my peers stand up and they say, this is not okay, our youth look up to us and they're able to say, wow, we'll write those laws once we're in power because we're next and we'll undo that. We'll undo this we the people that the preamble says in the Constitution where that we has nothing to do with me, that we has nothing to do with us. We're on land that my family, generations of family were here first. We built America. So I literally sit on land and on soil that I'm not free on yet it was land that my family once owned, it was stolen. So of course I'm angry. Of course I'm going to be vocal at every point and chance I get. So I hope that answered some of what you ask. Uh, As you can see, that passion is inside of me. It's not because, you know, it's it's not because I'm enraged and I, I, I wanna light fires. It's because the little boy inside of me that stand in the projects and that fought his way out of projects and to be sitting in rooms where I'm the only black person, that bothers me. 
to sit in rooms where people talk about ethnic studies and have no ounce of culture in them. You can't teach me my culture. You don't get to do that. Like we sit in uh, elementary school and how many of our students or our kids or, or family members that we know uh, painted little little squares of, of Indians and chiefs and stuff like that. Mm. No, that is not okay. Christopher Columbus did absolutely nothing unless you want to talk about genocide. So mm. for, for to think that that's okay, that we're going to teach you Indian under the covered and we're going to paint your face and we're going to have mascots, that is racism. You are teaching people racism. You are teaching me it's not okay to be native. You're teaching me it's not okay to be proud of my heritage. When, when I see people that are like, you know, burning uh, buildings and stuff like that, I'm conflicted. I, I don't think we should be burning. I don't think violence is the answer. But what happens when people don't listen? What do you do? What happens when you have folks that will go to jail for selling pot for years and face the criminal justice system, but you have a guy who on a world stage put his knee on a guy that was yelling for his mother, a grown man yelling for his mother, and you put his, your knee on this man and we have to wait for you to get due justice? And then you wonder why people burn things because they're not being heard. Politicians are not stepping up. Donald Trump himself tweeted, and I don't understand why we haven't uh, banned his Twitter account. It should just be a thing. So he tweets, <laughs> and then he takes back his tweet and say, I didn't mean that. Where on earth is that allowed? If I tweet something because I work for a corporate company, I'm automatically placed in HR where I could be fired, and this man gets to be the president of the United States. That is not allowed. That is not okay. So yes, do whatever you can to make as much noise as possible, be as safe as possible, but you have to make noise. We're talking about undoing 400 years of slavery. We're talking about, we're not removed from decades ago where Jim Crow existed. Slavery is real. The difference is it was hidden and now it's on a world stage and we can see it because there's video cameras and I am all for protesting. Shut down money, shut down businesses, shut, out, shut down corporate greed. Because at the end of the day, America loves black culture, but they do not love black people. And we have to change that. We have to flip that narrative. So whatever it takes to flip that narrative, we have to do. I will say, because I'm on your platform and I know I have all this passion, that I just want to make it clear that as as I as I don't condone the violence or, or the looting or the rioting, because at the end of the day, we have to rebuild these communities that we burn down. I will say for folks that have platforms and, and media the media does us no better. This clickbait material that they put out there. So I, I, I'm a proud that you guys are offering me this platform and just listening to what I have to say versus uh, participating in things like CNN where they're saying, uh, they, in quotation marks, uh, what do they say? Peaceful protesters. Why is peaceful in quotation marks? Why are black people highlighted in pictures where you see a white man setting fire to target. Black people didn't do that. We have to challenge the media. We have to challenge our allies to do better and to step up. Because at the end of the day, this is a black person problem as much as it is a white person problem. Because black people didn't write that constitution. Black people didn't write the judicial system. 
Black people didn't start education. Black people were oppressed and were continued to be oppressed. I no longer will sit in meetings where I am the only black voice. I shouldn't have to speak for black people and white people shouldn't get the privilege of speaking for us. Curtis, mm. I have a question for you. Um, and I know I'm sure you have a definitely an amazing answer, but this, I, I'm gonna read a meme that helped me and I think it yep. might help a lot of other people saying all lives matter as a response to black lives matter is like saying the fire department should spray down all houses in a neighborhood even though only one house is on fire because all those houses matter yes your house matters too but your house is not the one on fire like so i i thought that was really powerful <laughs> i also heard another um saying you don't show up at a breast cancer awareness event and you say all cancer matters um, I guess I could go on and on about that, but I just wanted to see, is that, is that correct? Is that the right way to think about all this? And all lives matter, Curtis. What's your feelings That's to that? 150% correct. You cannot show up and say all lives matter while negating the issue of racism. That, that, that's just ignorant. That is ignorant at its best. Like those, those memes capture it perfectly. All these houses on fire and they all matter yet. The one that's on fire is burning down. Does that make sense? And it's unfortunate that I was having this argument the other day when someone's like, they're asking me, how can I be an ally? How can I help? And then immediately they interject to tell me what I should do. That's not being an ally. You're telling me the direction that I should take with my black voice. So you mean to tell me you're a black person in white skin and you understand what racism is? You understand what it means to be fearful of cops when I get pulled over? I'm fearful as a city councilor to still be pulled over. So yeah, that's 150%. We have to stop this all lives matter bull. It is BS. And the moment I keep hearing it, the moment I'll be in every single status as Curtis Goodwin, as a counselor, as a black man, as anyone, as an ally, telling you, you cannot say all lives matter. You're silencing the issue. That literally silenced the issue. How do we achieve the common goal if we distract ourselves from the issue? All lives is not black lives. Black is an issue and we need to discuss that. The issue is nobody wants to discuss black and white. Nobody wants to discuss how do we undo racism. Nobody wants to have that tough conversation. I sit in city council and now I'm able to be this passionate because now it's in their face. But prior, hey, Kurt, you know, you're going to offend the people that live by the beach if you say that BS. Mm. I'll move by the beach, put it on my front door, say something. I will never allow people. And, and there's another thing with this. So people will use this fire and flame to perpetuate other ideas. People, don't be misguided. Don't get caught up in the hype of this. It's a black issue, and we're talking about systemic racism, and that's the only thing that we're allowed to talk about. That's it. One of the things that I saw that was very interesting was a lot of people, in terms of the radio station that I work for, they are older, and for the most part, they are whiter. And a lot of the things that they say, well, why didn't they just protest peacefully? You know, if they didn't do all the looting and everything, it's like, well, Colin Kaepernick did the exact same thing, and look what happened to him for it. What is your response to that in saying, you know, why didn't they just do X, Y, and Z? Who the hell is they? <laughs> Excuse my friend. Who is they? You just separated us and put us on opposite sides of the line. They, 
those people. Mm -hmm. That's not how you have dialogue. Include yourself in we, in us. So you just admitted to the fact that you are not in the fight because it is not your problem. So let's start there and address that divide. But again, that's we're not ready to have that tough conversation. But guess what? It's in your face, so you have to have it. And you bring up another good point. Again, the media and old white people, you're the problem. You are absolutely the problem because you never joined the fight. You never spoke up and your parents told you that this was okay. And you decided that you made money. You got family heirlooms. You inherited the house. You have great credit. You go to the beach and your son or daughter doesn't look to you and say, dad, I fear for your life. That is a part of the problem. Mm. Come invite us to the table. No one is inviting us to the table. How many times do I go on radio and I look at all white faces? That is a part of the problem. What is the issue? Why are there no people of color? Do they not have a good radio voice? I've been told all the time. I have a great radio voice. I have no interest of being on radio, but grab somebody, mentor them, bring them in, take one person and make it your job to be like, hey buddy, or, or better yet, when you see someone, smile. Hey, young sir, have dialogue. I'm in, how many times am I in line for ice cream and I'm being looked at? Or I remember one time uh, my car didn't go through for some reason. The immediate, the stairs and the, uh, uh, how, he doesn't have money. <laughs> you're holding the line. Excuse me, I'll buy for every person behind me if that's the case. <laughs> do not do that. You are judging. You are judging before even knowing the person or giving someone the opportunity. And then they wonder why are people angry? Because we didn't get opportunity in all forms of the word opportunity. Give us opportunity to be a part of being American. This American dream, what does that honestly mean? For me, it means I gotta fight to be black and be in a room and be relevant every day. I don't wanna spend my, my life being relevant, but unfortunately I have to because so my stepson and so the youth and so kids do not have to live in the same situation that we're living in so that they no longer have to argue and say, oh, I'm the youngest black person. No, I'm just a city councilor. But unfortunately it rings more bells. It opens up more doors when I say I'm a young black educated city councilor. We need to get beyond that, but we're not. So I have to keep screaming, I'm young, I'm black, I'm educated. How many times do you have to step in the room and say you're young, you're white, and you're educated? Never. Never. Mm -hmm. Never. That is the problem. That is absolutely the problem. I have a friend at work who, God bless him for uh, coming out with me when I was campaigning because I was so grassroots. They told me that I had to raise $10,000. I said, you want me to go get $10,000 for poor people so I could print Philly flyers that say both for Curtis Goodwin? Negative. Take that $10,000 and invest it back into education or something. Mm. I, refuse to, I refuse to raise it. I will be grassroots. I will hire my own team of all colored people. Um, the person who was my treasurer never been a treasurer. I took on that work myself, put her name on it, so that one, she could be visible as a black female, but also two, so she can learn that she matters and can be seen at, at the table with me. I made sure my videographer was a young black person. Um, I had also white people and allies. Um, but it's important that you bring people when you can to the table. So I'm always an advocate of build your own table if they don't give you a seat. Build it. Uh, when I was talking about earlier about uh, the business that I said cancel, I'm also reminding people the power of community. I'm not saying cancel her just because she's white or I disagree. I'm saying cancel because right now mm -hmm. the dollar goes a long way. People are struggling. 
and you negated the fact that we're struggling and we're still making sure your business is afloat while we struggle at home. I don't get food stamps. I don't get anything. I'm in that gray area where I have to make it or I don't. Mm-hmm. There isn't government help. There isn't Section 8. There, there isn't all these other handouts that people get. So as a black man, it is extremely hard. So I find myself always contemplating, well, am I black enough or did I sell out? Which is why I always advocate, yes, I go work my behind off because I realize you have to have money in order to influence the system. You have to be able to pay for your own stuff. So I've always made it a point since I was young that I would always be in a predicament where no one would pay for anything. So when it came for running, I don't want your money because you're never going to tell me how to use my voice. And I made that a point and I'm proud that I was able to do that. I raised zero dollars besides people that forced it down my throat. And guess what? I used it to make sure my marketing materials showed brown and black faces that we hired young people. So now on their resume, they can say they did a political video and now it gives them that that report with other businesses and they can say, hey, I have a portfolio. That's initiating change. That's how you change that systematic oppression and abuse that we go through. I love your passion uh, with with everything that you say. And one thing, especially that I've noticed being an educator, one thing that is very hurtful is the education system is also entrenched in racism. Uh, I've seen it at multiple universities. In fact, one of the universities where uh, I currently work had a student that had uh, replied uh, to a fellow student on Instagram. She had just graduated from the criminal justice program. A uh, young white girl graduated from the criminal justice program and made some incredibly disturbing remarks to the point where they had sent it to the president of the university and they had talked about it in, in a public email. I, I look at this particular university, which is always advertising for PR purposes. Oh, we are here to celebrate diversity. We're here to celebrate inclusion. They're always doing this PR, yet I've seen being in the actual business itself, that's not actually happening. You know, there are professors who are making racist remarks, who are remaining unchecked. There are, you know, administrators that are clearly making choices based off of race. Like, you know, who do they promote? What students do they bring with them on, you know, a a trip? As an educator, I want to see change. How, how do we change the education system from your perspective? How, how do we make it so that we, we have this, um, we, we, we have a better education system in place? Oh, that's a tough one. It gave me chills. The <laughs> education system is mm-hmm. the root of all evil if money isn't. If we were able to equip our youth, our young adults, with the knowledge and the tools that actually mattered so that they could be functioning, productive human beings, we'd win. But unfortunately, everything that you just said needs to be checked. We should be protesting every single university and school and standing outside of them and saying, no more money, no more funding, fix this and fix it now. That's where we should be protesting. And and I always say, we need to protest right. We, we need to make sure that where we're directing our energy and and our and our our anger is not misguided the education system needs to change and the best way is to get those folks out 
for you to keep elevating yourself, for you to keep using your platform to stand up to this and to not be scared. Because what are we scared of? What on earth are we scared of? They are wrong and they need to be called out. What are they being hidden behind? What is this wall, this imaginary wall that protects them? We need to burn that imaginary wall down and start to have those tough conversations with our colleagues at work and saying, this is not okay. This is absolutely not okay. What you're doing is wrong and we need to correct this. Why is that student chosen to go on this trip? If we don't call them out on it, then who's gonna do it? Because if I do it, I'm the angry black man. But if we had allies that stood with us and that said, this is wrong, we could change the whole entire narrative of all of this. Everything that's happening in the world was written in ink. We need to rip, burn the ink, burn it all and start from scratch. We're talking about things that were written that predates all of us, rewrite it. But instead we're too busy on social media instead of sitting at the table and actually rewriting it. People, what can we do? Join us at the table and say, what are we, what's the strategy? What's the game plan? Let's go out here and strategize and then mobilize. And then we go burn things down. And by, when I mean burn, I mean burn the education system in theory down, not the physical dwellings. Let's burn the papers down. Let's burn this idea that no child needs to be left behind, yet every single child is being left behind. Burn that narrative down. Well, thank you so much uh, for your thoughts. I, I completely agree, Curtis. And uh, we are also, uh, by the way, joined by uh, Officer Anthony uh, Nolan. Um, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the invite. Glad to be here. So I know that you're a New London police officer. I believe that's how we've met, actually, yeah. you and I, um, and hosting the New London Youth Talent Show. So I know you're a huge youth advocate as well. <laughs> um, and you're also a state representative, too. So I know you wear... A lot of hats. So, uh, in what, 20 years, I believe, uh, in the police office? Yeah. The police force? 20 years this year. Yeah. So, just let me ask you really quick, like, just an umbrella over the whole topic of uh, everything that's been happening in the nation. Uh, what are your thoughts on this as a police officer and also as a black male? Well, it's scary. Um, that, that's the first thing that comes up. Um, uh, not only uh, scared for the community, but scared for um, the system. Um, right now, the system's failing us. Um, and, you know, we obviously, uh, with a rogue, with rogue cops out there, like this gentleman who uh, just murdered this um, person, George Floyd, um, it's going to be tremendously tremendously hard for us to advance um and coming in at the end of what curtis was saying um you know it's the only way for us to fix this is to fix what was built before us to suit us better if we don't do that there's going to be a continued struggle um that will go on and every few months an uprise because of the people that are in leadership positions failing to make changes that are needed. Um, and that goes from city to state to the White House. You know, it starts with the policies in our city um, for our city to come together uh, and demand uh, for our officers to uh, behave a certain way. 
um, for our city to come uh, and stand up for the people to say, if you can't act like an officer, maybe you should not be an officer, you know? And as we all know that all officers aren't bad. We, we know that. But it's the handful of officers that destroy it for everyone else. So we who are trying to do good um, and trying to make sure that our community feels like they're protected and served, we take on not only the load to do that, but now we take on the load that these rogue officers cause us. Um, and, you know, it's time to do away with officers like that, you know. If you can't come to work from another town to a town that you work in, or even if you work in, even if you live in the town that you work in, and you can't display the behaviors that you swore by on that badge, you shouldn't be an officer there, you know. Um, I did. Um, oh, don't mean to interrupt you. It starts with policy change, and then it starts with people making sure that you put people in office that are going to make the needed policy changes for things to change. So, what people need to start asking leadership is what's your agenda? Because if you don't have an agenda to make sure that things are equal for people, why vote for them? Why put them in office? You know, so it's, it's going to, this election this year is going to be a powerful election. You know, not only to, um, you know, a lot of people want to remove Trump. You know, uh, a lot of people are ready for someone different in there. You know, but it also goes to your local your local leadership too, municipal, municipal, um, and state. You know, if you if the people that are running in office can't give you an agenda where it's going to change some of the criminal justice system, or it's going to change, uh, you know, some of the policies that that we have that strip those who who have less than those that. Uh, uh, you know, there's those who have less and those who have more. Those who have less take a bigger burden than those who have more. Those kind of changes have to be made. You know, and it, we're not taking, you know, we're for so long, um, for, for generations, uh, our country has been built on greed. You know, so it's going to be up to the people. You know, and hopefully it won't be up to the people. You know, damage things like there's damage going on in other parts of of our, you know, state and country right now. What I've noticed is, uh, you know, talking about how we need to restructure things. We need to get rid of the old system, bring in a new one that is that is fair. Uh, one thing that was that was very disappointing that I saw was that the officer uh, who had uh, killed George Floyd apparently had plenty of complaints before this specific incident. Now, and, go ahead. And that's failed leadership. Failed leadership. That's that's definitely failed leadership. When you have a gentleman who has, I'm going to be nice and say, fifteen 
bad situations, because we know it was more than that. Mm-hmm. And they continued to let him sit in that position. So, you know, someone's okay with what he's doing. You know, so... There was another thing that I oh sorry there's another thing that I saw that there was numbers released from the the hacker group anonymous that said that there were over 193 people that were killed by the Minneapolis Police Department I believe in this year alone if I could I'll go back and double check those numbers but why do you think it's they're so quick to jump to a, such a hostile and lethal situation when there's been proven ways of de-escalating a system, a, situ- a situation non-violently. Why do you think they're so quick they're to, to jump to that? away with it. Hmm. If, if you, if, if people would stop letting them get away with it and treat them like any, if I, if, if, if an officer has to arrest somebody for putting their hands on somebody the wrong way, well, guess what? Why doesn't the same happen for him? You know, what's good for the good? Right. Our job is for protecting and serving. But you got officers out there that are not protecting and serving. They're giving those extra digs. Their, Their behavior is out of line. You know, and it's messing it up for us good officers. And until they correct that, Instead of saying, well, in the line of duty, because the person was yelling and the officer needed to control the situation, that's why he gets away with it? Come on. Mm. You know, yeah. you've seen, and, and you and you see the other officer standing over this officer, how he kept turning his body away so he wouldn't see everything. Because you know when this goes to court, he's going to say, well, I was protecting the officers from everybody who was trying to get in the way. That's his excuse. Mm-hmm. So that's where his charge gets dropped a little bit. He was there. He should have stopped him. He didn't, so he should be charged. Um, I saw somebody had actually written a comment to you, and I thought it was just... It was very well written, if you don't mind. I just kind of would like to read it, and just if you'd like to react. Um, They wrote, "Uh, Tony, I'm going to ask you a hard question. When are cops going to start pointing out bad cops? I've seen it in New London, not as bad as Minneapolis, but it's still disturbing. I know the police have a union and internal affairs, but from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem to work. So uh, he did add a lot more here, but it's just a general question. Is um, I guess it's just kind of wanting to know... You're a good cop, and I'm sure that you point out bad cops when you see it fit and everything like that. And it's just, how do we move on as a country and make sure that everybody is doing that? Leadership has to stand up and hold them accountable. Leadership has to say, uh, you know, I've seen I've seen a video, and I think I've sent it to you, Curtis. Um, and I think it was one of our police departments. Uh, was it New Haven? Oh, yes. New Haven's police New department, Haven's police department. re-swore everybody in. Interesting. Uh, and committed to, and there was numerous officers who committed to being against violence, police violence. I sent it to our leadership saying, we might want to do this. And it's like a challenge. 
you know, we challenge you to restate your swearing in so that people can see that you're having a fresh start. And if we need to add language to it, then add language to it. But after that day that you get sworn in again, because, and I'm not, 20 years of service for me, I need reminders. I need better training. But, but, but when that's not given, yes. people drop the ball with how they act and how they behave and how they respond. You don't get enough training, then you start to act like you don't have training. So those are things that we need to do. You know, uh, use of force. Don't give me a piece of paper to read. Give me some training. Hmm. Because you know when you give someone a stack of paper and say, we need you to read that, but since we gave it to you, I want you to sign here. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Here you go. How many times at work do you sign and, paper and that then you did you not say, read? Okay, you put the paper away, and then you have a use of force force problem and they say well we gave you the paper <laughs> so they cover themselves but the actual physical training that you need to go through that's what that's where they drop the ball that's a uh, leadership yeah leadership leadership is a is a big thing and and I, I, I totally hear you on, on the uh, how many times during work do you sign a piece of paper and you're like, I skimmed it. You know, I, I, I looked over it. And one big issue that is uh, that is brought to mind in talking about that, especially when it has to do with specific training, is uh, it brings me to a really great episode. Um, and perhaps perhaps it's nerdy of me to, to quote a, a TV show, but it was a TV show that had great commentary, especially on racism. It was an episode of Family Matters where. Um, yeah, that's right. So you, you probably know what I'm talking about. Very amazing, inspirational scene where. Um, one of the main characters is talking to two other uh, uh, cops who are white, who had uh, detained and frisked and uh, made uh, the other officer, uh, who was a black officer, the, his son. They had accused his son of fitting a profile, and I put that in quotation marks. The show makes it very clear that uh, the, the white officers simply detained him because they said, and I quote in the show, is, you know, it's dark, he's not in the right neighborhood, he's a black guy, and you you hear that, that was that was an older show, too, it, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like this is anything new to talk about, this is a concept that's existed for, for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's a great episode, because that specific officer, one of the main characters in the show, calls out the white officers, and said, no, you did not frisk and essentially bully and harass my son because he fit a profile of somebody you were looking for, a carjack you were looking for. You did it because he was black. As far as the training goes, you know, signing off that sheet of paper um, and, and with leadership as a police officer, what do you think can be done as far as the training and as far as holding people accountable, uh, not just with force, but also with profiling, which I know is a huge issue? You need diversity training for for our community. You know, you, you don't, you know, someone, not only do you need diversity training, you need diversity training from those who deal with it. 
you know, so you need to go outside of your police department. Don't, don't you can't always use, well, I'll use this as an example. I shouldn't be the one teaching our fellow officers because we need someone from the outside to come in to to do a lot of the training in that instance because you don't want to jade the training to be able to fit you. You want the training to be from someone from the community who, or not the community, someone he trained outside of the, of the police department to come in and give you a, a different view, aspect of what it is that we need to learn. Um, way too many times we get, I call it Google trained. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. Where mm. you got 45 minutes to finish this test on Google mm. or on a computer. And if you, if you get interrupted by a call, you have to leave and then come back and start all over again. So it gets to a point where people start just writing down answers mm -hmm. so that the next person can have them. So that you just skim through it. Yeah. You know, um, the, the training, I, I, you know, it's training. You know, uh, if, if you're not getting the physical training, what's the sense of having a piece of paper? Right. Because it costs less. I'm sorry. It costs less. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot. That Environmentally it it costs less for me to get a piece of paper and have someone come in. Right. You know, it costs less for, for me to sign my name when I should be in a blue or red suit feeling the training. And knowing, you know, if I'm a, if I'm going to do this to somebody else, maybe I should feel how it is first. If I'm going to tase somebody, well, guess what? Get in line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yes. Um, mm -hmm. yes. And and I know I'm going to hear about it, but that's the truth. Don't put something on somebody else when you don't know how it feels. Right. Because sometimes when you know how it feels, you're going to be like, yeah, I ain't doing that. I'm not, I'm not yeah. doing that. <laughs> Actually, that's a good segue into uh, a question that I had. A while ago during the whole COVID and Corona thing, you had protesters in Wisconsin. You had protesters in Michigan that were mostly white with AR-15s. They had assault rifles in there up in the face in the Capitol of the state building right in front of the cops, and it seems like there's no tear gas being deployed, no rubber bullets being shot into the crowd, yet you have Ferguson, you have, you know, everything going on with George Floyd's death. It seems like cops are very quick to do, and not obviously, this is prefacing, not all cops, it wasn't like that in Waterbury, Hartford, New London, New Haven, all that, but some cops all over the country are very quick to deploy these anti-riot, anti-crowd-dispersing tactics it seems like on black folks rather than white folks. That's that's just my point of view. I don't know if you could speak to that at all, but that's what I just got out of some of these protests. And that's where it falls back on 
50 years ago how police were originally trained. You know, um, and if you go back further than that, the reason a lot of police departments acted like that was because it was a way to control people of color um, so that they could make sure that they were not um, advanced as everybody else. You know, um, it's a it's a it's a big issue, um, and it happens everywhere. Here, you know, you this guy gets a ticket and this guy gets an arrest. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? That guy got stopped from DUI. Oh, that was a cop. We gotta let him go. Oh, uh, what? Right. I, I'm. Yeah. He, you're a brother in blue, but you did the same thing that this man over here did that you want me to arrest him for. That has to stop. Everybody, if if you did it and he did it, you both got to get the same penalty. I feel as if the, 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 the law is a really big thing which you know curtis both uh, curtis and anthony uh, you you both deal with the law very very often i'm sure do you do you believe that changing these laws completely changing them rewriting them rewording the language do you think changing these laws will make a very big impact or do you find that people still won't necessarily follow laws even if they're created in a new way to uh be more modern in the way of how you know for example the police deal with these specific issues do you think that the that, that the law has a very very huge impact on uh, on these issues and if we change it would it would the impact become stronger um i think yes but i also think there's always going to be the rogue one mm. you know there, there's all you can't, unfortunately, you, somebody's always going to change. Someone's always going to make that uh, stupid choice. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're going to have people that do it just because they like to test the water. And then you got to have people who do it just because they're, they're just ignorant. You know, so we can change uh, all these things that we're talking about changing. And I, and I believe it will work. Um, but you're, you're going to have, it's almost like saying paid Montauk Ave and it's going to be good because people's cars won't get messed up because of all the bumps. People will speed still, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's always going to be one. So. For me, it, I, I completely agree where you have to change the law because it's the first step because you, you get people out of the system that don't need to be in the system or that can't afford to be in the system and get their due justice um, in, in the system. The other thing is you have to put the magnifying lens on the leadership as uh, Representative Nolan was uh, alluding to earlier. Leadership matters. Leadership dictates the tone. Leadership uh, sets a tone. It dictates culture. Culture is important, the culture of policing, the culture of community, 
culture of school system. We have to focus more on what is our leadership setting the tone for culture and then relying on our politician and leadership to set the tone as far as this is not acceptable under the law and enforce it. It's a cycle and it has to have the right checks and balance. And unfortunately, as Nolan's saying, there's always going to be that person. But with the right balance, we can progress a lot more people forward with equality. I mean, we, have a, we have a, a pretty weird society because we have people that say they're not racist, but when you stand up for something like this, and, and you see you start losing friends on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> people start driving by and, and leaving leaving messages for me. Or I even had a gentleman come to my house that he said I knew him from New Haven for a long time, and he's been my Facebook friend. And he come and shut he came and shut me down. He said I spoke evil of police. And I'm going to unfriend you. And I didn't know who he was, but he, you know, you don't know. I don't know everybody on my Facebook page. But he, he just was determined to come and tell me what he felt about how I talked about police officers. I, I said, do, do, do you know that I'm talking about a very small percentage of the police officers? I'm not talking about everybody. It doesn't matter. You gave him a bad name. You know, that kind of mentality. And. I was like, all right, sir, have a nice day. And I said, well, you know where I live, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, a little concerning. I just, I just ask you to be careful, um, you know, with your anger. Um, because, you know, walking up on somebody or pulling up on somebody like you did, you know, I mean, that's, that's very concerning. Mm -hmm. you know, um, if I knew that I didn't treat people bad, where I had to worry about someone rolling up on me, um, you know, that could that could make it a lot different. You know, you just don't roll up to people on the street. Right. Um, mm. That's very terrifying. It, it, anger is a really huge piece of this. I, I've noticed that especially with you know, you you post on an Instagram story, for example. Uh, you know, rest in peace, George Floyd. And then all of a sudden, somebody you've known for many, many years responds to that story with three paragraphs long about how you're wrong or you're just just because you said rest in peace, George Floyd, for example. Mm -hmm. It seems mm -hmm. a huge issue that I uh, that I see going on right now is people always like to take phrases, notions, methods. They like to make assumptions about it. A huge problem is I see so many people see Black Lives Matter and they don't see the meaning behind it. What they see are just those three words in a sequence and then they yeah. go, go off on it. Yeah. That's a huge issue. What are your thoughts on those people making assumptions about, you know, for example, Black Lives Matter? It, it seems like people aren't willing to look into what it actually means. Um. There, there are there are people who choose not to want to see what it, um, and sometimes they choose it in front of others. Because um, I, I I get it both ways, you know, when some officers aren't around other officers, they act a different way. Mm -hmm. 
you know. Um, and that's for the normal person. But, you know, you, you hear a tone on the outside, but the tone changes on the inside when you're sitting there having discussion with the totality of people. You know, um, and I mean, I think at police departments and not only New London, I think people, um, I mean, if you look at, if, if you if you search your social network and you look at how many people voiced an opinion about what happened and you won't hear very many people speaking. And you wonder why. Um, is it the fair inside the police department? Because there are those blue bullies that intimidate, harass, antagonize, make it hard for you on, on each level, patrol, supervisor, you know, that do you have to worry about if you say something? Oh, I might not be able to get I might not be able to get in my favorite spot when I work on the street. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there's that that kind of mentality in the police department. You know, how people are treated. Everybody's not treated the same, even inside the police department. When you see a tweet like what our president tweeted about, well, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Does that just does that instantly just make in the back of your mind going, you've just made my life so much harder. You've just incited like a whole bunch of you just made everything so much more Every difficult. Because hmm. you, know, you have you have those that enjoy what he puts. And then you gotta tolerate them in the street. And then you have those you work with that enjoy what he puts. Yeah. And then you got to tolerate with them, you know. Um, so he, he, our, our president makes it very difficult for us, um, you know, because people, people literally try stuff just because he said it, you know. Yeah, with the bleach he, and everything, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, yeah. it's. He, he, he really puts, um, I mean, you see today what he said about the, the National Guard, you know, uh, and he called, what did he do? He called all the mayors. He might as well just call all the mayors that weren't calling National Guard and call them like punks. Mm -hmm. yeah. they're, trying to, they're trying to save their city uh, in a way that, you know, you, you, you allow people to express themselves. I mean, nobody wants anybody to tear their city up. You know, um, we talked about that on Saturday. You know, we okay with you marching. I, you know, it sounds funny. I'm okay with you marching in the middle of the street. But just don't mess up somebody's car. Don't mess up our CBS because you mess up our CBS. Where your grandmother gonna get her medicine from? Mm. You burn our food mm -hmm. store. We already gotta go to Waterford. What? You know, you mess up our our shop right, and guess what? We ain't got no shop right. 
But there are people, and I even heard it Saturday, and I, and I thought, I, I think I told Curtis, there are people who don't live here that were at that rally trying to pump up people to do things that they shouldn't do. And that's what we have to be mindful of, that there's people that are not a part of the fight that are insinuating this. But again, it comes from our leadership, Donald Trump, in inciting people to do this and encouraging them. And we have to be mindful of that because mm -hmm. it's really scary. You have people that are trying to peacefully protest and then the flame, you throw gasoline on the flame and then what do you expect to happen? You have those folks out there. Unity is the best thing, but in times like this, it truly comes down to leadership stepping up and, and, and addressing Donald Trump and saying that's wrong. I mean, in theory, he should be locked up for inciting these riots. He's inciting bigots and people to come out here and not protest with us, not help us, not be there to protect us, which is what our tax dollars pay for. He's inciting them to actually go out here and loot and rob at the expense of people of color. Again, falsifying the narrative that Black Lives Matter. I truly think people deep down inside are scared of what will happen if Black people actually had equality. What would happen if Black people actually had the rights they deserve to rebuild an America where they're equal in it? They're scared of Black people because Black people built America. What do you do with that power? You no longer have that power. It's an, e it's an equal playing field. Truly deep down inside, people don't want that, which is why they don't address racism, which is why they're silent. Because why would you be silent when you have a per person saying, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, I don't care what color you are, you should be enraged at that. Yet, there's crickets. We fall to deaf ears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, the, that's the one thing I kept thinking of was, I believe it was the Charlottesville rally when those the Nazis were in Virginia, and that guy drove through a, bunch, a crowd of people, and he killed like a 30 year old woman that's all i can think of like you're gonna incite and just keep this thing going for longer and longer and more force is gonna get used and it's just gonna just drive everybody further apart it really is it's not fair to anybody um i actually have been taking uh a list and notes and stuff like i said i was going to of things that can be done and i just wanted to go over it really quick and i think that it would be a really good review and if maybe we can add some things onto it as well because i mean really that's i think that's what this is all about like we really need to it's about forward progression and how, like ways that we can advance together everybody who wants to be a part of that um so what i wrote down was uh just listen just listen, like really, just just listen. Uh, use your platform. <laughs> uh, we had touched on this at the beginning. Like whatever it is that you are good at, you should capitalize on that when it comes to helping. Uh, you should speak up and call those people out who are obviously speaking in a way that doesn't resonate with the message. Uh, you should listen, just listen. Like really, just listen. Uh, no passive comments on social media. Um, I believe a lot of local people, not just in New London, but all across Connecticut and across the nation, too, are um, making mistakes and saying things that they shouldn't on social media. Actually, you know what? They're, by saying it on social media, I guess they're bringing the attention to it. So um, take that as you may. But um, no, no passive comments on social media that aren't helping. Uh, stand up for others, especially others who cannot stand up for themselves. Uh, we should challenge the media to do better. Black lives matter, and not like all lives matter. I know all lives matter. We all know all lives matter. 
I think if you're a human being, that should just resonate with you. <laughs> all lives matter, but but I wrote down Black Lives Matter in all, all capital letters. Mm-hmm. Um, you should join the fight. You should join the fight if you can and you're able to, why not? Um, opportunity, give opportunity when you can to somebody who may not get the same spotlight as you. Uh, the system needs to be fixed. Policies need to be changed. Training needs to take place in a way that is effective. And leadership. A lot of people in leadership roles, they need reminders, and that's not uncommon. But at the end of the day, leaders are the one who ultimately have the effect on the long run. So is there anything else that you guys think needs to be mentioned here that we haven't? I think, uh, I mean, you said Black Lives Matter, um, which is definitely um, something that should be out there, but it's educating people how uh, Black Lives Matter. Mm. There's people out there that are just stuck on those three words. They're, 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 it, it radiates through some people. And I've, I've, it just, some, I've seen people get furious when they hear it, you know? Um, and it's because they don't understand it. They don't take the time to understand it sometimes. And sometimes we don't educate them enough to understand it. Um, so I really think that's a, a an important thing. Um, in the um, policy procedures, legislation, you know, that's, you know, it, it's, that's a huge aspect of how we have to make changes. Um, I think uh, those things should be top priority on the list. Um, and not only that, but um, action speaks louder than words. Um, so this has happened just about a week. It's been a week. Um, so how many more weeks do we have to go before people see something change? Just one thing. Like, for you know, that, that, that new swearing in for police departments. People see something like that, yeah, that's a start. You know, an immediate policy change that says you may no longer put your knee on the back of somebody's neck as such in that video. Why couldn't his knee be brought back down to the shoulder blade? So those two things right there, you know, ban the knee to the neck. It's like the chokehold in New York. Ban the chokehold, you know. uh, Let people understand how police are trained because it closes that door to say or for them to question what kind of training is that officer getting um so i mean and you said all those things and and it's 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 just so much there's just so much that can put on that list it's just a matter of where is the priority Hopefully we can at least uh, highlight a few of them, like you had said there, and, and get a good start on it, you know? And this is just what's able to be put on paper as well, too. Like you just mm-hmm. said, actions speak louder than words, too. So I think um, there's things that I could write here 
that are fit more physical than they are actually. One uh, more thing I would add to that is spend money in the black community. So if you don't eat black or ethnic food or, or wear the clothes, which I find hard to believe because black culture is idolized here, spend that money instead of giving it to corporate America who idolizes black company, a uh, black culture, actually with the black community in the form of gift certificates to uh, hair free haircuts to kids, whatever it is you can do if you're not gonna utilize the product or service, make sure that you're a part of it. If you have the means, donate to the local NAACP in your, in your area. Those are the people on the front lines to combat these issues of, of racial um, inadequacies, uh, inadequacies in our systems. Donate to the NAACP, donate to black businesses, and, and make sure you shot them out and tag them and support and encourage them the same way we do corporate America. Because at the end of the day, black America needs money to build the resources so that they can train and educate their own kids. But when we're so oppressed and we're so poor and the median income so low, it's hard, very, very hard to be black in America, let alone a functioning adult with children that you have to raise. So if we can help to, to build black America, I mean, there's so much that can come from those resources. That only that also only makes it better for everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, if we can take people of color out of poverty, how much money do you think that's going to save the world, our right. states? But it seems like they want people of color in poverty because when we voted for the fifteen, when we voted for the minimum wage, and you had all those people vote against it, why? Why? Mm -hmm. Because you want them to stay in in that poverty level, you know? Because it hurts you to give a few more cents to to make people have a little bit more money to survive. You know, if, if we pay people decent, we won't need to have people on welfare. Hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, but there's so many people that don't want those that are considered our, our you know, our, our not only our poorer folk, but even some of the working folk. You know, we, we learned through this pandemic how essential people are. Mm -hmm. But we also learned mm -hmm. how much money those who make the money need the people that are essential. Right. But mm -hmm. they struggle giving them more money. You want these people to come back to work without the proper... PPE. Okay, so you you gotta you gotta replace it somewhere. You gotta give them money. You want me to work during a pandemic for the same amount when there's not a pandemic? Come on, right? At the end of the month, you're you're getting a bonus because your company did well through a pandemic. And then people get mad. Well, if we if we take people out of poverty, that means 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh no. No. <laughs> oh, the humanity. And I'm not saying all people can afford, you know, stuff, but, you know, um, people can't make $10 an hour for 50 years. Right. You know, hypothetically. Yep. You know, you can't, you know, there's got to be an increase. You know, and it's got to be a, a decent increase. It just can't be, you know, you give someone 25 cent nowadays. That's 25 cent ain't, ain't, you know, what's it buying? Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying go broke making somebody, uh, somebody's family healthier, but, you know, at some point, you know, it, you all know what we what it takes to live. Yep. You know, I know I know senior mothers that are are, are making around thirty thousand dollars that are struggling, but they're making it. They shouldn't have to struggle though to make it. Right. You know that kind of thing. But. Yeah. Well, it sounds. What it really is is that real change needs to happen, and I, I the the biggest thing is that I'm so glad when we can have discussions like this, where we can find out, you know, especially me and Alyssa and Christian can find out. Okay, what can we do? Because we can't just sit by. What can we do? What action can we take? And um, I want to thank. Um, uh, council, uh, Councilman uh, Goodwin and uh, Representative Nolan um, thank you guys for sharing your thoughts your perspectives um, thank you for being honest with us and finally really thank you for your time I know both of you are busy you know uh, you're important successful people and I just want to uh, take some time to thank you for coming on this podcast and telling us your perspectives, your thoughts, everything about the issues that are going on. I think that it's incredibly important. And I'm smiling right now because I'm, I'm just so glad that we could put this together and we could make this happen. And I'm a firm believer we need to stand up. We need to make this real change. And it's funny that you say we've got this list that Alyssa made up. That's one sheet of paper. I'm sure that uh, it's much longer than that one sheet. I'm sure it can keep going and going and going. Um, so thank you guys so much. And although we can make steps today, we need to continue to do so. So thank you guys. Is there a way that we can um, have people get in contact with you via social media or any way if anyone wanted to reach out? Uh, yeah. Um. Curtis, you're on mute. Sorry about that. Didn't even realize that. So for me, it's at Curtis Kate Goodwin um, on all social media platforms. I'm extremely vocal and active on my platforms. Always down for the call. So definitely at Curtis Kate Goodwin. You can find me on any social media platform to either converse, have dialogue, invite me on your platform, uh, support, ask questions. Or again, just listen and tune in because there's nothing like just watching someone's social media and seeing what they post, their behaviors, and just learning and understanding and then formulating your own ideas of how you can take that back to your community. 
the biggest thing I always advocate is for my community because we have to control our communities. If we all invested in our individual communities, no matter where we live, we set the narrative that will echo up. So if we can't reach the president, our communities can. We vote our electoral college in. So if you're in a community where your electoral college believes in this uh, uh, bigotry and, and in racism and systematic oppression that America is founded on, then you need to step up and or if you are an ally, you need to push them out. Because once we take over our individual respective local communities, we can literally start to transform the narrative. And that's real dialogue, that's real thought leadership, and that's real change. So this, this conversation I'm extremely thankful for. Thank you for inviting us on this platform. Let's not let, let's not let this not be something that we continue to keep taking steps with. This was the first step, having the dialogue. If you don't have the dialogue, you wouldn't know. Now you have a list of action items every day, just walk in that purpose. And if you're able to be a part of change, you're now aware. So you'll spend money in a black community and or support a narrative that's correcting this. But again, I just thank you. And it's at Curtis K. Goodwin. And for me, it's Anthony Nolan across the board. I mean, you put that in there and you'll get all my social network sites. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, Always, you know, we're always willing to talk. You know, we're always listen, willing to listen, um, even when you disagree. You know, uh, all we ask is for it to be done dis, uh, respectful, um, because a lot of times people um, don't know how to uh, hold on to their anger, um, and they try and take it out on people um, who is who are not the ones who are doing what's going on. Um, so I just ask people, you know, if you come, come correct. Um, that's it. Hmm. Thank that's you, perfect. guys. Thank you guys so much. Uh, make sure to uh, to you know uh, follow them on social media. Reach out to them. Oh, also uh, hmm. the event, Alyssa. That's right. Really quick, I wanted to mention, um, I actually saw that this was posted on social media. Um, there's going to be a Facebook Live event on Thursday, June 4th from 6 until 7.30. Would either one of you like to uh, tell us the details about this? Um, is, that, is that the Kevin Booker? Yes, Councilor yep. Booker is putting together a conversation on race and disparities. Um, I'm not on the panel. I will be giving closing remarks in terms of action steps. I think it's important to have the dialogue, but as you just alluded to, to have action steps. So definitely tune in. It's on Facebook Live. I'll be sharing it as well, especially when we go live. So you can come onto my page or you can go onto um, uh, Anthony Nolan's page to find out more about it and or tune in. And again, Alyssa mentioned earlier, this is a good time to just listen and, and be informed on oppression and what it is to be a black person in today's America. So anyone is invited to that Facebook Live. Um, again, that's uh, Thursday, June 4th from 6 until 7.30. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think uh, people should uh, definitely attend the Facebook Live. Um, I'm sure it is going to be uh, it's going to be incredible, and we will make sure to uh, share it as well on the Maxwell's Magic if Hour I, if I could uh, ask page. One thing of you guys, if we could just take ten seconds for a moment of silence. I think sometimes we do too much chatting and too much talking, and we forget what this is all about, and we don't honor the lives that we lost to get to this point. So if we can just take a brief ten second moment of silence. Absolutely.
there's just so much power when you silence things and, and you can just center yourself and, and be present and aware of what's going on and just be grateful that we're here and that we're willing to work together as allies. Just wanted to make sure we, we not forget the lives that we lost to, to this, this tormenting, this, this, this tragedy and just so much oppression. So just thank you guys. Thank, well, you. thank you, Councilman Goodman. Uh, Goodwin, that was uh, that was very beautiful, very well said. Um, thank you uh, to you both. This has been an incredible experience. Um, and one final thing, more than anything, I have very much enjoyed listening to you both. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the times in radio, we love to talk. We love to do a lot of the talking. <laughs> and then sometimes, uh, yeah. not just my opinion, also the opinion of my girlfriend, we can't shut up. Uh but it was a uh, it was a great experience to listen, and people should take that away from from this. They should take away, listen, make change, stand up, don't just be silent. Right? We have to be vocal about these issues. So thank you guys for um, this eye-opening experience. It has been an absolute pleasure. Make sure to follow them on social media. Um, follow us on social media at Maxwell's Magic Hour, at Pebs1077 is Alyssa's, uh, at Christian Turnquist is Christian's, at Maxwell McFly uh, is mine, and feel free to email us any questions or, or comments, Maxwell's Magic Hour at gmail.com. Um, once again, this has been such a pleasure, an amazing experience, and uh, thank you all for listening. All right, thank you guys once again.